0: A heartfelt welcome to this evening. Um, really happy to co-host this sharing and getting to know Lone from Denmark together with Tom from Parallax, who has already um, shared some talks for um, Akronon with um, Aaron Cheek and Sophie Strand, both um, writers and Aaron actually also co-editor and publisher of Akronon. And Tom being a very good friend to Akronon is hosting these talks. Um, so tonight what we're doing is the start of just meeting um, some of the writers of Akronon and some of the artists in this case and sharing on the topic of planetary consciousness and wisdom. And so Lone, a very heartful welcome to you. You are in Denmark right now? That's right. And how how is how is your life in Denmark at this very specific time?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um what is it like? It's well it's Christmas and people are dealing with uh um yeah the cold Christmas thing and the the lockdowns and the PCR tests and all that drama that's going on everywhere. And uh, I'm fortunate that I can keep myself a little recluse and uh, enjoy um, just being home. It's nice.
0: And I guess just being home for you as a nomad globetrotter for all of your life Is quite a moment of your life to arrive at a place and settle down and so um, i'd just like to open up with a brief introduction to you your biography and uh, you've done the beautiful pictures artwork in our first edition of aquanon i know you for quite some years as a woman of deep call for the ecological Um, Renewal and connectiveness, and you're a book writer and a producer of um, several fantastic artworks. And let me maybe start talking in the sense of Akronon, um, where you are today in Denmark at this moment, and when you let's say we go back to Nepal to your time way back. Is there anything where you would say there's a synchronicity or a moment that has unchanged, that stayed eternal between all of that you have done in between?
1: Um, you know, I think the, uh, the dance with or the quest for a sense of freedom is probably a constant in my life. And it's, um, It's been a a driving force. (laughs) Um, And when I think about the places I sought and felt a resonance, it's been uh, Nepal, which has been very much uh, for the Western traveler, a place of freedom, Um, San Francisco, California, (laughs) a place of uh, freedom and And, self-actualization. And so... You know, and then in recent years, coming back to my roots, um, it's been sort of another uncovering of what um, this quest for freedom actually is about. And um, like different aspects of freedom I've been able to explore and examine and uh, to be now home Um has been an odd experience because, you know, when you've been out for a long, long time, coming home is not uh, is not what you expect. Uh, the home that you left is not the home that you return to. And in fact, you don't have a home. You have a recollection of a home. You have some family uh, ancestral ties. You have landscapes, you have memories. But the whole recreation of a home and finding a sense of belonging has been um, has been up for me um, in these latter years. But the freedom is um, you know it's like changing to you know I think. These days, it's not so much about the external, like being able to do stuff and go places or to find uh, inner freedom from limitations or conditioning or cultural pres- prescripts or <laughs> um, have a free mind, have a free imagination, uh, feel an expansiveness inside uh. I think now, having experienced an outer um, and a, maybe a physical limitation, just in terms of um, illness and um, midlife, and and then you know the, the the whole world has been through this strange process of locking down and opening up, and locking down and opening up. So this sense of freedom is shifting. I don't know and where, but it's shifting.
0: Particularly as artists, right? Um, that freedom is still quite luckily um, accessible as to write, we can write. And I think in your artwork, you have um, embodied the art of rewriting stories, rewriting narratives, rewriting your own identity also, and the identity of many that you photographed and um, portrayed. So there is freedom in artistry. But then a question that I would like to explore tonight is um, where does the creative impulse come from? Or even as you say, through illness and fatigue or external restrictions, how does the artist keep the connection to the planetary, to the wider, to the unchanged source? that wants to be manifested. So how are you feeling at this point in your life compared to maybe earlier years where it was like a real must and a real, I have to. <laughs> I remember when you came up with your beautiful book, um, Unveil, Unwa- whale. Um, you said, no matter what, it has to be born. has to come in the world it doesn't matter if i lose all my money or my jobs or whatever but this book has to come out and you did it but so you know if we want to talk about resilience tonight also where at the moment in your life do you feel you can draw from um inspiration maybe is the
2: right word
1: You know, it's interesting because um, when you invited me to this conversation and, and the word embodiment was sort of part of the invitation or the possible topics of tonight. And, you know, when I think about my journey of, basically, I think it's been sort of an interesting journey from experience a delicious kind of embodiment like really coming home and living in your body and feeling alive and vital and juicy and creating from that place to also now having had the experience of um for those of you who, who don't know me here I just uh, you know I've I just wanted so you know what I talk about like I've last couple of years I've uh, had some some uh, illnesses some nerve pain and then i had a, a, a bout with covid uh that really put me down um so that's like the things that you imagine would never happen to you actually happen to you and um so to be embodied in pain when your body hurts <laughs> and your soul <laughs> starts to hurt you know it's a whole different um experience of embodiment and to stay with it uh, is, becomes a challenge because most most of us want to escape and transcend any kind of uh, discomfort or dis-ease. Um, so I, I find that has been such a, a, a strange mirror, like the opposite, you know, so, to be creative in that space when you're in pain um, has been very, very difficult and um, and I know that there's this um there's a lot of artists and writers you know they they must have crises and drama and you know they must be drunk you know to express but I think for me the expression comes from love and it doesn't mean that I'm in love and you know it's all but but it comes from that place in me that um, that's connected that's that you know the sort of like the fierceness of the heart you know um it doesn't need to be pretty but it it's it can be raging but it comes from that place and in a way so that the basis of it is is love love for the world love for an idea love for um expression um so i don't know like maybe it would be easy for us right now to create art that's full of rage, but I think the whole world is in some strange <laughs> raging fire. Um, so that doesn't, I, I feel like I'm seeking another place to begin. I'm seeking another place to express from, and I haven't quite found it. Um, the more and more I come back to my body and come back to my, the things I do to feel alive, Uh, the urge to create is here still, but I feel that what I used to do doesn't work anymore. The way I would approach a creative project um, doesn't work anymore. Um, So yeah, it's like being in in a world that's suddenly showing us a different mirror suddenly showing us um, um, in a way it seems like there's utopia and dystopia going on at the same time and we have to hold both. Um, but I think I'm always seeking a new language and in, I feel in a way stuck in the old language. I feel like I can't quite find the language that that can... Uh, help help me understand what's going on, and help me find a way to express what I see or feel. It's like the the, the it becomes trite and cliché, or maybe irrelevant.
3: Well, I think it's super beautiful, you know this this topic about, you know. Pain and art and how does that belong together? Because I feel that um, in a lot of ways, that if you get out of the furnace, you know, and and cleanse yourself through the pain, then the artwork is true in some form, and you get rid of all the fat, let's say, mm-hmm. and that what comes out is somewhat true, you know, because you proved it to be true. You know, you you didn't, and I think that is true for every art. You know, for every, you know, kind of pain, be it like from the soul or from the body. It's Like if if you push through and and actually produce something that is beautiful, no, no to, to push through the pain. It is beautiful, you know, because it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, in a sense, it's the it's it's the process, not the product. You know, it's it's the. Yeah,
3: yeah. Exactly. And so the question is why do art, no? It's like the the question I asked myself because like I do art in in this sense because I want to realign myself and I want to make sense of of the world and the pain I'm living in, in that moment. And so there's like this, this moment. I don't know if you feel the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, it's, 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 there's always been this drive to, to have the experience to, um, and then, you know, the art becomes sort of like an afterthought. It becomes sort of a way to process and, and, and maybe trying to distill what it was about or what it meant. Right. Uh, and I think what's, um, sort of in our pre-talk to this talk, we, we, we talked a lot about um, this the sensation of dissolution, both in our mental bodies, our, our minds, and reflected in the world as well. like well, how we knew the world to be is sort of uh, dissolving, and what we hung our hats on like we claimed to be this is the order this is how things work this is who we are you know this is you know all that is sort of dissolving and I I find that that has also been my experience um and 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 so you know I I I remember I like to say that beauty always rises from the rubble um and I still hope that that's
3: true (laughs) We all hope that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I imagine also when knowing you, you know, we meet. We met in Paris for a coffee, we went climbing mountains in Switzerland, and your life was so um, inspired by being on about. And so how do you deal now also in Denmark in the long winter, in the dark, how do you, how do you deal with this it's not new anymore now but it's becoming normal isolation social isolation not being able you flew back to san francisco every couple of months and swapped countries what does that do with you i don't even
1: want to (laughs) know um well possibly because of my health i have been helped along you know just having to accept that okay that kind of life i just can't handle right now anyway um but it's true it's a different like the restlessness in my soul is um i suppose has been um I wouldn't say numbed out, but there's been a little bit of put on hold, um, so I haven't been bothered of it. But I do feel like, and possibly this is again, where do we derive inspiration? And I think that the movement and being in movement and having um having had meetings with different cultures and different consciousness and, you know like it's been a, a very inspiring so to suddenly be isolated and now i'm you know uh living with a, a man and which has also been new but still it's fairly isolating for two people who both used to be out and about so um It's a different kind of cauldron, and it's a different way of, um,
4: I feel
1: it's almost like slightly, um, I wouldn't say dysfunctional, but there's something about, um, there's a hesitation. And there is um, a, for the first time in my life, I have a a, sort of a visceral sense of fear, not like exactly fear, but the the world that I knew was benevolent. The world that I moved around in uh, was open. Uh, So now uh, maybe I'm just in in, in sort of a, you know i i don't want to have a different experience than the one i had because i loved what i had so i don't want to ruin that experience by now being in the world that's fearful and closed down and uh but there's also another sense that i'm not as comfortable so it's it's very bizarre actually and i feel a bit stunted and now that i'm circling back to the creative impulse i think it's also having an effect on creation um like looking for another way of feeling joy another way of feeling ignited and You know, you could scan the internet, you could scan the internet, you could, you know, like you can, but where do you have that meeting we used to have in person, you know, that's, um, there's like a hunger. But it's not a hunger to throw myself out to the lions or, you know, like, but there's a hunger for that kind of meeting meeting in the flesh, meeting souls embodied, like meeting and and being in that kind of dance. I miss that very much.
0: Yeah, I think it's become much more significant who we meet and how we meet. And um, I guess when we come out of this and can socialize again one day, normally... I wonder how things will have changed. I mean, will we put more of value, more care on how we spend our time with whom? I don't know how you guys feel, but when I see movies of 10 years ago and I see people in the movie act normally, it seems to me as if I'm watching a world which I'm kind of forgetting a little bit. You know, I see them shake hands and hug and do this and sit with each other in coffee shops. I watched a beautiful movie in, played in Paris recently, before midnight. Um, I think it was called, and they were sitting in the coffee shops, and even in those days, smoking and having a glass of wine and chattering. And I, I looked at it as if it's something foreign to me, you know. So, um, how is it in? How is it in Spain? How is it in? in um, palmer tom how how is social interaction going
3: there well i mean the uh, i think what Lone said you know that the world was bene- benevolent at, at, till some point and you know globally the world has just changed completely you know for everybody and so the world from let's say 1999 that world is completely gone you know with the Twin Towers and surveillance scandal and now COVID and we're living in a different world now. And I miss that old world too, you know, this freedom. And I mean, the Spaniards, they're all, you know, um, they don't really give a shit about, you know, if you read the, the articles there, they're doing lots of fiestas in Madrid. Here you have like the, the same regulations basically like everywhere
2: else.
0: So something's falling away and what is appearing instead you said loner anxiety or even a sense of collective paranoia Um, but there must be good things also right i mean in my case more time more stillness more um less stress
4: Yeah,
1: and you know, in a way, I mean, it's more, it's, in in Denmark, people are very sort of family-oriented, and maybe it's the same other places in Europe, um, probably compared to my American experience, (laughs) but, um, um, so there's more family time, because, you know, you, 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 you sort of focus, yeah, who you spend your time with, and Um, there's more nature time and I feel there's also a um, even though we're here on Zoom, it's a fatigue with uh, social media is happening to me Um, sort of uh, dissatisfaction with being a uh, just a voyeur on millions of people acting out on social media um. Uh, so there there's definitely a reorientation and I'm and it's hard to to like it's not like we can go back there's no going back right so we must uh, be available and create um, create something different something and I think about that a lot it's like You know, when we talk about, you know, we're so obsessed with our development, our evolution, our uh, consciousness, our what can we become, and what can we transcend, and what, but in a way, it just feels like what's happening to us right now is actually calling us deeper and deeper in, and into ourselves, in our local little communities, um um dealing with you know the 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 near life um and it is not back to basic but there is something about coming back to the body um to being here um Maybe that's my uh, experience. Maybe it's an antidote to the whole virtual world, but also the the spiritual community's uh, desire to transcend into some kind of perfection. I think we're just being... Mm, yeah, we are being called to um, embrace the imperfection uh, of our humanity, and we are being called to um, sit with the, um, the narratives that we hold and entertain about life and who we are, about the world, um, which is uh, astounding to watch. Uh, and of course, I'm referring a little bit to just what people think is going on right now, and the fronts that are being created and the dominating uh,
4: narratives. um, It's like
1: another level of waking up, you know? If my journey had been about, uh, you know, a certain sense of liberation and... um, Seeing the oneness and the beauty and the, um, oneness is not necessarily all beautiful, and I think that's really hard for us to to be with. You know, the other side of the coin um, in being a human. A human being, it's uh, being unveiled to us. You know, maybe we were naive before, or maybe I was. But
3: um... well, Kali is terrifying, isn't she?
1: She hangs in my bedroom.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but she's terrifying.
1: She is yeah. terrifying.
3: Yes. If you, if you, you know, there's so many approaches to oneness. You know, I think like, you know, I think they had like in the 19th, 20th century, like the big books about melancholy, you know, it's like when the when the big sadness descends upon you, uh, the sadness of all things passing, all the things, the people being dead, you know, all the cherished ones that we lost. And so all these, this, this eternal universal sadness is also part of the truth because it's also a goddess, you know, Um, sometimes depicted also as a god you know but it's a it's an idea and so it belongs to 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 the everything as well
1: yes i think uh, i don't know if you know this tom but uh, that my first book was uh, um, was very much uh, inspired by meeting kali right and uh, and I'm sort of surprised that i you know I once bought this tanker and I put it up in my bedroom. I think maybe it's a bad idea, <laughs> but um
3: no, I don't think it's a bad idea because it's like there there probably was some something in you that thought uh. You, you need this kind of God meditation, you know? It's like. Yes,
1: but she's there depicted in different colors and right. different aspects of, of uh, the, the great liberator. So <laughs> right. it's, I like looking at her.
3: Yeah, well, she is the great liberator, that's for sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, one topic that uh, comes keeping up, you, you know, it's like you, you mentioned it twice now, is, you know, the, the theme that you can't go home. You know, um, we have our attachment to the narratives and to the stories and, you know, you expect to come home, but you can never go home. There's no, the home that you left is already lost in a kind of sense, you know, and, and, you know, you can't, you know, what does the Chinese say? People say you can't dip your feet twice in the um, same river or Pantare, it's like everything is flowing and, and to, to accept that truth in a kind of sense, not to accept um the death and the the change and the flow of things and to let go and to um, you know be embodied in in that in that change i think that's you know um you know and, and it's like even global topics like climate change or covert that belongs to this you know because we're all affected
4: yeah
1: Yeah and I think it's just I think for me because I am very much living life as as a journey and I think I've um the fragility uh that I've experienced now that most of us are experiencing is uh is an interesting exercise because I think the attachments arrive again right oh but you want to feel secure you want to feel belonging you want to feel home you want to feel safe you want to know who your circle are you want to know what the story is um and so it's sort of a human instinct to sort of grab onto these things but in fact maybe the great lesson is that we can't
3: right i mean i don't know if you're familiar with ivan illich
1: Ivan.
3: ivan illich that was the great educator and a catholic priest I think. And he was like a, a big figure in the counterculture movement, you know, and and to age gracefully. And, you know, because he had like this big tumor uh, uh, on his on the side of the face and, you know, friends were telling him, you know, get rid of that thing. But he didn't want to because for him, health was not, say, the state doing like, OK, you have to go to the hospital. You, you know, it's like everything has to be regulated. For him, health meant something like um, to be able to deal gracefully with pain and and with with dying and with all of this and because, you know, I think, especially in the in the, you know, uh, second part um, of life, you, you increasingly have to deal with those things and have to, you know, as a, you know, as a way to, you know, um, in, in the evangelical sense to, 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 to get to some wisdom. You know to understanding of what is what you know what is the other half of existence all about. You know, I'm you know that's how I understood his 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 writings.
1: But it makes a lot of sense. I mean I know that you know as uh, cultures we are obsessed with the uh, youth and forever living forever so it's I think maybe all of us have a little bit of a a uh, wake up when we realize, oh, <laughs> time time is running out, right? Um, and yeah, it's um, you. You have to find. You know, it's like I find that it's um, it's. I think you know, to try to fit into culture and be in a conversation uh, with the culture that you live in or the the society that you live in, um, you know, I think you meet a little bit the ageism, you, you meet like the sudden realization that you can't just do what you've always done, the the, the, the people around you the society around you expect or don't even see you or expect you to behave in a certain way or be different or um so I think I've sort of started to bump into that and that's sort of like um astounding right because inside again back to the timeless um I'm still me you know like my my outer expression is is changing my body is changing and my views are, are changing in the fact that um or my values are changing um, um, but the core me is still there and sometimes it feels like a 16 year
3: old of course what um, yeah, that uh, says a lot about our culture that it favors let's say nowadays uh, more the kardashians than it favors people like gandhi i mean there's no gandhi like figure at the moment and that but there are like thousands of kardashians and that is so weird that you know it's like that is so one sided you know because because there's wisdom in in that in you know in in having dealt with life and to know a thing or two and that, that society doesn't really cherish that this, this is kind of weird
1: well yeah but i think it's it's probably an an uh, a You know, I think, or at least we like to think that the elders had more of an esteemed function in our sort of uh, uh, familial uh, life passages and structures. Like the elders had a function and they were more revered. Um, in, In Denmark, you talk about the gray gold, and it's referred to with people with the money. So you would target entertainment and things towards the gray goal because they have the money. You know, like there's all this, but there's not really, uh, there's, you don't find a lot of elders that um, would become an it's sort of like your mentor or the sage that you would go to. Uh, you would rather go to the Cardassians or... Uh, seek out the latest uh, hotshot coach with all the answers, you know. Like, so there's sort of a, a miss, missed giving around elderhood. I think, um, and a boomer boomers maybe they're off having, uh, enjoying the the rest of their lives.
3: <laughs> you know, it's so it's so it's so strange because like if you, I'm I'm I know I'm going on the tangent here, but. It's like when you look at Corona crisis and, and now there's in Germany, there's a new government. And so the newspaper are oh, OK, they're now new uh, Corona wise people, you know, new new staff. They're all young people, you know. And so I wonder, like, OK, so where, you know, where are the Greek senators? You know, the old the old people who know a thing or two who are not only able to deal with the factual crisis but also with the mentality and 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 you know all you know society as an organism because that's what's missing it's like the it's, memory it's, yeah it's only you know coronas only you dealt with in a in a you know um in a clinical way and this this is fine but culture is so much more you know it's it's like how do you how do you keep the the society sane in a way and so for that you need all wise people you know you need senators or something you know like like greek senators or you like they stick to, head together like 20 30 and come up with the best solutions but not career politicians you know yeah. the, and yeah. so
0: yeah. we call it weisheitshuter in german you right. know um, gardens of wisdom and, right. and and I think, Lonnie, we talked about that in shortly before we started, that <clears throat> it seems like because we can't predict anything, we can't plan, everything that we plan is unchanged daily. And <clears throat> you described how you feel, how your cognitive brain functions are changing. But I, I feel that in a lot of people that because of that situation where we are so daily um, provoked, to um, reset our agenda. Um, at least for me, what, what awakens, because I asked before what could be the positive that because of something that falls away that appears. And for me, it's the word remembrance. And, you know, like Tom, it's, it's something so much of our integral spiritual, mental. Cognitive life has been on improvement, making things better, more together, more structured, more efficient, more fitting. And all of that is kind of falling away, falling apart. And what appears instead is space, I hope, I feel it like that, for myself to remember something that. It could be, like you say, Tom, wisdom. Maybe it's wisdom. It's something that is not <clears throat> in the knowing. It's not something that in my life before played a role or had a meaning. It wasn't the navigation for me. And when I say wisdom, what I mean, it's like hearing the really old ancient song lines, not the ones of the aborigines, <laughs> but the ones of, my own Urgrund, you know, like we we spoke about that, or you and Tom and Aaron spoke about Urvertrauen, primordial trust. And it feels like when we speak about unveiling, unveiling, as if this crisis forces us to access primordial trust in a new way, in a different way than our brain has suggested to do it. And so this anxiety that a lot of people go through right now seems to me like the brain um, squeaking and um, screaming out for navigation. And so we are navigated and we are held and we, we hold the whole as planetary wisdom. We are a part of it, but we cannot at the moment It doesn't make sense anymore if we use the brain to structure our next day, week, two weeks, at least for me. I don't know who's going to be here for Christmas. Maybe I'm going to be alone. Maybe it's a new regulation. Maybe um, there's another regulation at the border tomorrow. I don't know. So there's a part in me that panics with that thought, oh, Christmas, I don't know, maybe... We're not together this year. Maybe I'm all alone. And at the same time, because that is taken away, all that rush for Christmas and all that planning and all that anticipation, a deeper feeling emerges, another feeling that doesn't come from the normal, normal everyday social structures we're usually bind in. And, and to me, that is, that is something um, that comes strangely with Urvertrauen, which I, I think I told you, Tom, recently. There's more anxiety in me than ever and more Urvertrauen at the same time. As is, as, it's as if primordial trust, as if they go with each other. The one does not awaken without the other. Yeah.
4: It's like when... Um...
1: I mean when the like the centers that we give authority to be that uh you know in the old days the teacher the doctor the, the president the, uh, or the symbols you know be it the world trade centers or uh, other- Notre Dame yeah yeah when those things um sort of loses the authority or we lose the trust in those um, centers or structures or institutions or people. Like, I think there's just been com- a more and more of a squeeze in terms of what, where do we find that primordial trust? Where do we find the center? Where do we find the... I suppose, the self-authority in a way. And I think when the world just goes bonkers and, and, and everybody is trying to create order and everybody's trying to go about their lives and keep it as normal as possible, uh, everybody is trying to find the truth because there must be a truth. There must be, you know, like, so this whole terrain um, kind of requires us to find another place, to f- find sanity, to find trust, to find center, to find calm. It, You know, I I, I like to joke, like staying sane has become a full-time occupation. And um, which is kind of adding to the, yeah, the anxiety. But I I kind of get you, Kadula. It's like inside the anxiety, you must develop strength, you must develop endurance and resilience, you must, because you can't function in anxiety.
4: at least it doesn't feel like a way to it will put you at odds with life
1: I'm struggling to find the words to uh, to, but it's like if you're in a constant state of angst and anxiety and paranoia and worry I don't know that is that living like are you then
4: I guess it's one experience of living but yeah Tom
1: pick it up from here
3: yeah well I mean if I can chime in but you know my daily experience because I find it kind of funny. It's like uh getting not crazy is a full-time the full-time job. And this is like kind of true because, you know, for me, you know, it's 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 all about self-alignment, let's say. Right. And so, you know, I always try to be well and good aligned, and you know, and it's it's like like dancing on the needle. And so, and then there are these moments when everything comes together, and then this is harmony and after two weeks or one week or five weeks of internal processing, then everything is fine. And then something happens on the outside and completely disturbs my inner peace again, you know, but that what, what came from out, outside was just the result of me being in harmony. You know, so this is like this eternal dialectic. And of course, if I'm not well aligned, all these weird emotions pop up, anxiety and depression or, you know, uh over-the-top enthusiasm, maybe it's just another word for being bipolar, I don't know, but <laughs> but, but the point of the argument here is that, that it's a dialectic, you know, you strive to order because you feel that chaos is there and as soon as you get it, you know, there's some, some other chaos, you know, disturbing and, and needs to be integrated and then you work your way through your body and through your mind and emotions and integrate it and align yourself well again. Uh, till you have that order this is always like a very nice moment it might happen in in an embrace or in a meditation or whatever and then the chaos comes again
1: yeah yeah but it's i think it's also just you know we are here because in a way we are curious
4: and baffled and
1: grieving and uh, trying to understand what's going on, you know, like, so I think by being those kind of people, we can't help but wanting to tune into what's going on in the collective to be scanning, observing, you know, people's like humanity's behavior. Right. Um, like, I think there's a curiosity to understand what the hell is going on with us and how are we going to cope? Like, I mean, it's fascinating. Um, so I think to the extent that you put your feet into the big soup, right. <laughs> you you know, I I find myself getting really provoked and, you know, like I can't understand like, did this really happen and oh my god these people are really believing this and these people are really doing that and you know like i'm sort of in that chaotic drama um of like the theater of of the world at the moment right and of course it's sort of a grandiose position to sit here and talk about it like that because obviously to some extent I'm I'm having my little part to play in the big theater (laughs) but um sometimes I have this crazy sensation that you know it's a net flexication. of
2: course it's
1: like the way we act and uh, at least the way I can see it on social media and on tv and it's People have become more and more prone, or accustomed, or trained to look at world events like a a a, a big thriller, like they watch on Netflix. So it's it's very polarizing. Like there's a it's dichotomies. It's like good and bad, and right and wrong. And there must be somebody evil that we can now hate and blame and you know like there's this bizarre uh, like skeletons of archetypal narratives going on and it's it's just baffling that there's it seems like there's not much room for doubt there's not much room for um uh, questioning, questioning it yeah yeah <clears throat> um there's no nuances it's like talking about the 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 brain and the world and how it's sort of fragmenting and our identities are dissolving and all this good stuff but it just it's interesting in the in the in the sort of big tv screen um on the world it seems to become more and more um let me just say black and white um more and more caricatures and the, the, the way people act on the media, they may be totally different behind the screen when there's, it's more intimate in their lives, but it's just, it's astounding. It's, it's as if um, humanity has gone
0: accustomed to being entertained by its own dramas. And that's the story, but that's not the real story. That's just the story that the entertainment, the brain craves for, you know, um, a new story. But is that the story we want to hear? Is that the story? I mean, we are writers. Is that the story we want to be written? Um, And at that point, I think for the last um, 15 minutes or so, I would love to... um, bring you in our guests here and see if you have a question or something to add or contribute to this discussion. I think um, Norbert, you did have actually a question. Is that right?
2: Question now, not (laughs) now. It's dissolved. Maybe to Luna, it's, um, I think it's difficult to survive as an artist in this time. Um, to express oneself, I think it's, it has something to do with joy. And I'm missing this now. So, so what, what is the change there? There's suffering. And this, uh, yeah. Mm, So there's a new question inside and how to express this. And and I think it's... mm, um, so, so you have to do something that you don't want to. That's not your own. You... <laughs> mm. So the question may be how to deal this.
4: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think um, a lot of my own question, and maybe this goes back to sort of the initial thinking about it, it, if art derives from some struggle, from painful, from suffering, or, but, but I think you're, you're right that it, somehow it, it needs to be fueled by the joy of creating. Um, it needs to have Yeah, it's, it's almost like uh, you could think that you need to create something the world really needs. Um, you want to somehow speak into what the world could need or basically you probably also speak into what you need. And um, I think a return to a, a sense of wonder, a sense of awe and joy, Uh, you know and I think it's a big question and maybe a lot of people at, at this time is sort of like how can I have joy like how can I be exuberant and have fun at this time if the world is going to hell like if so many people are suffering who am I to sit around here and write fun stories or play music or even dance. But I think this is the urge that comes when there's nothing more we can do. Like at the end of it all, this is what we have left. The ability to come back to joy, the ability to come back to creation, the ability to dance with your neighbor or your partner or your a kid um and, and in a way that's that's the simple thing like after suffering you know what is there there must be joy uh so maybe that's the the service that we could offer <laughs> that we actually insist on finding the joy in this in this craziness um even if it's a tearful one, but it's i it, 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 it makes me think about you know stories and films and you know of of really horrible things that's happened in history and and wars and you know in the end it's the it's it's the laughter it's the um I think last, maybe a year ago, I wrote a a post, a blog post, a little essay on the the Belle Epoque um, because I thought, well, if it's all going to go to hell, why don't we start with the Belle Epoque? Why do we have to wait till it's all gone to hell and then we can build up again? Why don't we have it now? Um, I don't mean to you know, repeat the Belle Epoque that was in the 20s. But it's just like, it seems like how would we, what would it be like today if we were going to bring in that spirit? I don't know if the answers any question. I'm just uh, talking along.
0: I think that was a beautiful end word, Lorne. I think um, you said it all. And I think that's why it needs storytellers and ancient Weissheitshüter and artists and poets and people with a bold heart (laughs) and a big mind. And beautiful, thank you. Thank you for this sharing.
2: Thank you, also.
1: Thank you for having this uh, meeting, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it fills a little bit of the empty space that's been created, you know, it's like maybe the, the solitudes um, we are in, to some extent, is creating space for conversations like this.